You're listening to episode number 24 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. Is it episode 24 already? It feels like I just started doing this podcast. Today I want to talk about what I'm calling post-mortem jealousy. It's a personal story of mine that I had not shared with anyone before. It's kind of an uncomfortable story. But I was talking to a dear friend. She had reached out to me over something that she knew was intellectually silly, but she still couldn't shake the emotion of it. Her husband was off on a trip in another state, and en route he was stopping to have lunch with an old high school chum, happened to be a female. Now, my friend had met her before. They had dinner with her once. She has the feeling that her husband and this woman were kind of a thing all those decades ago back in high school. And she told me that jealousy really reared up in her over this. And she knows that the jealousy is just all by herself. But still, it was making her eyes begin to fill as she told me about this. I asked what she was thinking, and she said the other lady is slender and very composed, and the word slim and slender came up a lot. Clearly, she is comparing this woman to herself, unfavorably in her own eyes. She intellectually knows her husband well, and knows he would not do anything. He really loves her. I have to tell you, I've seen how this man looks at her, still, in her mind, this woman was so much more together than she is. My heart reaches out because I know this feeling all too well. I completely get how she was feeling. Yet at the time, I see this truly beautiful lady on my Skype screen. Beautiful and accomplished. She's a, an author. She has books. She's working on a new book that is probably going to be a blockbuster. She lives by the ocean and she has that air about her, casual, almost mystical. I'm in awe of her. Can you tell? I really adore her. Yet there she was sitting, thinking that some slender, composed woman was upstaging her. She really does not know this woman or her life. She doesn't know if it's true that this woman is together. She could be a slim, composed, hot mess. Or maybe she's a robot, totally composed all the time. Who the heck wants to live with that? My friend, by contrast, is not always together. We are both life coaches. We've attended workshops together. So I've seen her come a little unglued, a little weepy, talking through some element of life. She's wonderful. She does this because she gives freely of herself and shares herself. I can't imagine her spouse feeling any kind of attraction at all to some composed, slender old schoolmate after the heady intoxication of this beautiful, sensual woman. We talked about the thoughts she having and about the situation that was making her feel jealousy. She knows they're just thoughts and thoughts that she cannot know that are even true. And she begins to see the thinness for the basis of such thoughts and understanding that, you know, the sentences are just playing in her mind. She already knew that. She just needed to be reminded that her thoughts are not factual. 
But in the process of all of this conversation, I shared my own story with her. And being a writer, she immediately saw the value of that story and said, Joanne, you need to share that. You need to share that with your widows. So I'm going to. It's my Christina story. Jim used to go to our local Barnes and Noble each morning for coffee, to look through books, sometimes just taking a book in with him to sit and read and have coffee. Um, it was all part of his appointed morning rounds. Jim was retired, had retired very young. He retired at the age of 53. And he always had plans for himself, appointed rounds, things that he would do that gave structure to his day because he needed that. Sometimes he would take it to such an extent it was laughable because I would say, oh, let's go do this. And he would say, no, this is my day to go to Walmart. <laughs> I'd say, what? What are you saying? Anyway, Barnes & Noble became a part of his appointed rounds. There were a number of retirees and such who frequent the local Barnes & Noble each morning. And they've all become acquainted over time and began calling themselves the Barnes & Noble Social Club. I love that. At some point, there was a young girl that began frequenting the club, Christina. She's in her late 20s. And Jim, who loves to listen to people tell about their lives, he people love him because he will just sit and listen and listen and ask you questions about your life and like get your whole life story out of you. And he found her fascinating with all of her young girl drama. And he would come home and tell me all about her stories. He would share everyone's stories with me. He would tell me about this one owns theaters. This one does this. He loved different people and their backgrounds. Christina, in my mind, became the perpetual damsel in distress because her young life was constant drama. She was actually um, having an affair with, I think it was a married man. I know he was with another woman and she would weep when she couldn't see him and the constant drama in trying to see a married man, all that would bring about. And Jim was patient. He was always listening to her turmoil like a real life soap opera. Over time, I was less patient with the stories that he brought home about her because it was clear that she wanted this constant drama in her life. And I was thinking she was a pretty stupid young girl wasting her time on someone she clearly was not going to have a future with. Still, Jim would listen and counsel and teach, always a teacher. Jim had been a teacher, so he loved to teach and give advice. He was enthralled having a young student of life. I think at one point it may have become <laughs> been becoming too much even for his patience. But, you know, he couldn't untangle that friendship because he still went to Barnes & Noble every morning. And, you know, sometimes she would turn up. Um, he still wanted to go hang out with his cronies. She would come by. She would email him. So the friendship continued. And it continued longer than I felt comfortable with. Yeah, I was starting to become a little jealous and worried. This was a man in his 70s. And it can be very flattering to get attention from a 29-year-old. I was struggling with jealousy and suspicion, even though I knew it was probably just ridiculous of me. Yet there it was. Well, one morning I was out and about, and I wondered if Jim had gone to Barnes & Noble. And was she there? I was looking particularly nice, so I thought, hmm, you know, let's just put it, put him on the spot. And I stopped into Barnes & Noble to look for a magazine. 
So I just went into the magazine racks and was going through magazines, and one of the Barnes & Noble Social Clubs said, Oh, Joanne, hi, hey, your hubby's here. And I said, Oh, really? And in a few seconds, Jim came bouncing around the corner of the magazine row I was in to give me a hug. He was acting a little nervous, a little uncomfortable with just being surprised randomly with his wife being there. I stayed cool as a cucumber, chatted, laughed, I found my magazine. I borrowed his Barnes & Noble gift card to go buy it. Then I gave him a hug and went on my way, smiling to myself like the Mona Lisa, right? What I didn't know was... When I went out the doors of Barnes & Noble and stopped on the sidewalk out front to wait for the cars to go by, Christina was sitting on the bench to one side of me, on her cell phone with her affair, crying, wrapped up in some drama. Jim apparently had a clear view of both of us at once. Later that day, he told me, Hey, Christina was out there on the bench. You didn't notice her. But I could see you both out there side by side. This young beauty, less than half your age. And you looked amazing compared to her. Man, you can stand up to a 29-year-old and win. You still got it. Well, I rolled my eyes at him and laughed. And I said, you know, I just have stage presence, Jim. I just have stage presence. But inside, I was pretty pleased, even if it was a lie. Yet he didn't have to tell me. He didn't need to mention her at all or that she was there. I didn't see her, yet he shared this with me. Jim passed away not long after that. And social creature that he was, I knew he had a mailing list of friends that he would send out links and funny stories to, interesting articles on a regular basis. They were always blind copied. I, would, I was on his list too. He would send these things out. And he had made friends all over the planet that he corresponded with, that he met online, mostly through photography. Um, over time, a lot became close friends. He had friends in Ireland and in South Africa and just everywhere. So I wanted to get his mailing list and just let them know he had passed on rather than have him just disappear and not answering emails. So I logged into his email to get the mailing list and I sent out an email saying, you know, I'm so sorry to share with all of you that Jim passed away. And then I noticed an unopened mail from Christina sitting in his inbox. Now, <laughs> I knew I should just delete everything and not look. But what woman is that strong? Not me. <laughs> I opened it. I opened it. Mostly it was a childish recounting of her day and but then there was a mention of me responding to something he wrote. So scroll down, and sure enough, his last email response to her was at the bottom of her email. And he had told her about seeing us both out by the curb at Barnes & Noble, and how his wife, at 60 years old, looked every bit as beautiful as being compared to her young beauty on the bench. And I laughed. I laughed first that Jim would so cloddishly share this story, not having a clue that it could be hurtful for a 29-year-old to hear that a 60-year-old looked more desirable. But that was Jim. <laughs> that was Jim. He would share anything. He would tell me things that I just didn't even want to hear. I didn't want to know. But there it was. I used to tease him that he had no social filter at all. But what a gift. I was basically reassured beyond any doubt that my jealousy and worry was completely unfounded. 
My thoughts were only thoughts, not the fact of reality. Those thoughts and feelings could have made me act in a way that could have damaged our relationship. Thank God I never said anything suspicious or jealous. Instead, I received the gift of discovering in my husband's eyes I was ex as spectacular as a lovely young girl. More so because I was regal and intelligent and had the wisdom of being older. Sure, he was fascinated by the story of this young girl, something to keep life interesting. But he chose me. If I had not seen that email, I might have still wondered and had those thoughts of jealousy that made me feel horrible. I'm sure that many widows find the opposite after their spouse passes. I've heard this from widows. They discover something in correspondence that reveals an ongoing relationship their husband was having that they were completely ignorant of, or they discover it in charge cards, they turn up letters. I'm sure the mind can make a seemingly steamy letter mean something a lot more or even a boring email from another female sitting in their inbox, another female that they didn't even know existed prior to their husband dying. That can bring on thoughts that just run rampant and emotional hurt. The emotional pain of this has to be almost unbearable for widows that discover after their husband passes away and they're devastated in mourning and then they find out that he was having an affair. The anger, the disappointment added on to grief. If I had instead discovered something different in Jim's email, I'm sure my journey through grief would have been very different than what it was. But I ask myself, what thoughts would I have had? And would they be true? Could I really know if my thoughts were true? How different would my life have been? been with those kind of thoughts. For a widow having those thoughts, how different would her life be without those thoughts? You know, it's your thoughts that make you feel the way you do. Our feelings come from the thoughts that we think about what's going on. And thoughts are optional. You can choose to believe them or you can question their validity. Back and forth, question them until you realize that your thoughts are not really facts. You're making a judgment in your brain. And you can dismiss it just as a sentence that your brain plays in your head. It's like a story that you're writing. The story in your head is what is making you feel hurt, not the actual fact. And if there is fact, something concrete, something you could prove in a court of law, then what? So what? What do you choose to think about that? It's still your thoughts that hurt, not the actual incident or circumstance. So would you be better off without those thoughts? Why let those sentences in your head continue to haunt your life? There can be other sentences. Oh, not rainbows and ponies, not little affirmations that are all perfect, but other sentences that sting a little less, sentences that you believe, sentences that reduce the pain a little. The sentences that were in my head were not true. 
even if they were true, they no longer mattered because I found a note. Not only did Jim tell me about this revelation he had of seeing me out in front of Barnes & Noble being compared favorably to this young woman, he told her this. So he really was thinking that. It erased all the suspicious sentences, even if they were right. Even if anything was going on in the weeks prior, none of that would matter. I could let those thoughts go. I loved the new thought that he chose to be with me. I was his. He was mine. Still, for over 20 years, we had that. I had that. New sentences, new feelings, and the ability to just put all that other stuff behind me, I could move forward. Just seeing your own thoughts and naming them begins to break the power they have over you. You get to direct your own emotions and direct your own life. You are the director. Remember that. Thoughts are optional. And you can find a thought that stings a little less. Don't try to lie to your brain. Your brain is on to you. <laughs> but you can look for these thoughts, these stories, what you are making it mean, and ask yourself, is it true? Do I know for sure this is really true? You know, this week I did a drawing on my Weight Coach podcast from the names of everyone who had taken me up on a free mini session over the last 30 days. And Brecklin Farron won that first $100 Amazon card. Congratulations, Brecklin. My big push has been to do 100 free transformations in 60 days. I life coach widows as well to help them through their grief and navigate through life again. It's a process to move your life forward again and discover how you want to move your life forward now that you are solo. I can move you out of the emotional pain so that you can continue to grieve and mourn without it freezing you in place. You can find out what it's like to be coached by me. Go to talktojoanne.com and schedule a free mini session with me. We'll get on the phone together or on Skype together for 30 minutes. I'll coach you on one thing and resolve it right on that call. We can see if, if you're a good fit for coaching. And if you are, I'll share with you the programs I offer. You'll take something away from that call. You'll take a tool away on that call that you can implement in your life right now to start making a difference in your life right away. So jump on over to TalkToJoanne.com and get on my schedule. I love to talk to you guys. You know that. So go out. Have a great week. Start to become aware of your thoughts, especially the ones that make you feel uncomfortable, the thoughts that give you emotional pain, and question the validity of those thoughts. Understand it's just a sentence in your head. Because how you're thinking will result in how you're feeling. If you're feeling jealousy, if you're feeling remorse, there's thought behind it. And you need to take a look at that. Go out there and find some joy in your life. Until next time. <music>